Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the seventh season of Star Wars The Clone Wars, marketed as the final season. The series stars Matt Lanter, Ashley Eriksstein, James Arnold Taylor, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Sam Whitworth, Katie Sackhoff, and more. They all return to lend their voices to the series. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, and this is big because, you know, the series had been stopped at season six, uh, which was a short season compared to what they were going to do. Uh, and they had all of this already written. Uh, I think they even had uh, a number of the voice work done. Um, and then they had done a lot of previsualizations for the episodes to figure out their breaking the action beats and that kind of stuff. And there's even some more episodes that weren't included, um, that haven't been released at all. You can watch the pre-visualizations of those. It's actually Boba Fett centric, the, the story arc that never made it. Um, but there's such demand after the end of rebels and everything else. People like, I want to know what happened because we'd all, everyone had heard, Clone Wars went all the way up to Revenge of the Sith and then even had crossover. And it just felt, you know, you had Ahsoka just disappear in, I think it was even season five, it wasn't even season six. And then she pops up in Rebels and people are like, she's alive? <laughs> How did that happen? How do we not know? What happened to her before then and now? And then she pops up in The Mandalorian and there's like, like a bunch of stuff. And people have been speculating that from the stuff and season one of Mandalorian. So like, yeah, yeah, you know what? We will release those. They've come back. They've touched up the audio, recorded some further ones. They've improved the animation and they've just released it. But sans that Boba Fett stuff, which I suspect we might end up with in the book of Boba Fett. But, you know, this, this was, this is a big one, but it does break down basically into three story arcs. Yes. Um, The first four, then you go five to eight and then nine to 12. Yeah. Uh, and depending on your familiarity with the series will depend on how much you enjoy each of those arcs. Okay. That's good because I've got many questions. Now the opening, I did say this is a review of the final season. So this is not yep. a review covering the whole of star Wars, the clone wars. I mean, for starters, I've not seen it all. And I did recognize <laughs> that watching the final season, it very much did feel like they've come back and they'd wanted to finish some hanging story threads. I remember the movie they did, and it was way before The Force Awakens. And it was around, I think, 2005, thereabouts. So it was Star yeah, Wars, sounds about Star right. Wars on the big screen and I went to watch it because at the time I'm thinking I might never get to see another new Star Wars film on the big screen. It's animated. doesn't matter. I'll go and watch it. I didn't see the series at all. When they were getting ready to release the final season, I thought what I'll do, I'll go watch Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and then do the whole of Clone Wars, get to the final season, and then do Revenge of the Sith. I did the season one premiere. I enjoyed it enough, but I didn't go back. And it wasn't until The Bad Batch wanting to see that show, and I think it was you that confirmed for me, 
that you can just pretty much get a feel of what that show's going to be by watching the final season of Clone Wars. Yeah. So I've got a um, lot. I've got a lot of gaps there, but I've done the final season, all twelve episodes. Yeah. I'm ready for when the Bad Batch finishes, and no doubt we'll do a full review of that season. But yeah, I I've got so many gaps in my Star Wars knowledge because I'm missing six whole seasons. But I have seen the whole of Rebels. So I remember yep. watching that for the podcast. So I've seen all of that. And there was one episode during this final season, and it was almost blinking, you'll miss him, a young Kanan. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I know that guy. And then he wasn't really in it. I was kind of hoping he was going to come back. Yeah, and this is, this is a big thing because when the animated movie came out back in the mid-2000s, they introduced Ahsoka Tano, who now is a fan favorite. But when they first brought her in, they brought in this young character. Um, she's Anakin's Padawan, and everyone's like, Anakin had a Padawan? Don't be ridiculous. He was a child himself. Why the hell would he have a Padawan? And you know, they show in the movie that it, Obi-Wan's the one who'd request a new Padawan. He'd finished training Anakin and was doing his duty and taking on a new Padawan. And there was a mix-up, and they decided to give Anakin a Padawan instead. And her personality just grated on people immediately. And then you cut to here and people are like, oh, she's a fan favorite. And like, how yeah, do you get from hated to like one of people's, one of mine, especially favorite Star Wars characters of all time, like up there with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and Han Solo. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. I was a big thing people talk about with Ray for the prequel, the sequels of like, oh, people just don't like, uh, Star Wars fans just don't like female characters. So no, 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 no. Like, any character really needs to be, have a, a natural progression from like some confidence, but failings to full confidence, which is where like, like a typical hero's journey. And they had five full seasons and the, the animated show the for the final season looking at 26 episodes a season so you had a lot of growth with her and you do watch her make mistakes be super irritating bail massively and get dragged and like get chewed out you know she makes mistakes like it costs r2d2 like he almost get he gets lost and they have to go recover him it takes quite a few episodes to get that back um, she goes and she, it, they, you know, it was for, through that they introduced Sorka Rara from Rogue One. That was all on the animated show of her teaching guerrilla tactics to a, a local militia. So all of that goes into the final season. And I, I do stand why you can probably watch most of the final season on its own. But it's the, the big one is that middle section of actually probably the second half of the final season. Um, ignoring the stuff from Revenge of the Sith. There's a bunch of things they bring up, like about the clones and chips and uh, characters they're mentioning. And like, well, the first the first story arc, in fact, you've got the introduction of Bad Batch, which is there like, we're going to be doing a show on these guys. So here's some, you them reacting and interacting with some of your familiar characters and what they're right. capable of so... for when they get there. They knew back then. I didn't realize that it had been planned 
that far ahead. I didn't know they intended on them having their own show. Yeah, um, because you can't call it Clone Wars Season 8 because the Clone Wars end oh, with you this know, final I, season because I it, 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 where I, it lines up with the movies. But yes, I didn't that was know, something... Yeah, I didn't know the Bad Batch. Like, I mean, that's literally the Season 7 premiere. That's the name of the yeah. episode. But I didn't know back when they were getting this show ready, they already knew they were going to give them a spin-off. Yeah, they'd already been speaking with Dave Filoni, who wrote all of the episodes. Traditionally, for the other seasons, he directed most of them as well. But he, they had put, and he'd put enough together for this final season that they didn't need him to direct every episode. So they did have their own directors. But I do believe this is what we they removed the Boba Fett stuff out for. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure the idea was. They'd, he'd already been approached about doing a new animated series of Star Wars post Rebels once he finished off this. And this was his idea of like, oh, I do have an idea. You know, there's so much story potential of like, how do you go from the Republic to A New Hope? It's, there's a lot there. And we always focus on Jedi or, re- or the Rebellion or stuff like that. What about the people who just got caught in the middle who would not either side and just got wedged. Yeah. Well, that's which like is, Rogue One. Yeah. And that's why that was so compelling. I think it's a smart idea to introduce these characters because I'm gonna, I need to bring this up right off the bat. All of the clones in the series, for the entire series were all voiced by D Bradley Baker. So even though all of the clones, they have, their own personalities and with the bad batch there are distinct voices for all of them they're all the same guy he's responding to himself when he's doing the voice recording yeah. uh so he's doing a lot of heavy lifting i mean you know he's voicing like literally dozens of characters an episode um but it's it that's where it comes from but it is threading them into an already existing plot thread of you have captain rex Anakin's like main clone uh, commander who's one of his friends from one of the earlier seasons, his chip went off early. Uh, Sorry, no, that's, that's fives, but his, one of his best friends, Echo, they had to leave behind on a mission and he was presumed dead. And he's always questioned himself of that. Yeah. And that's what the bad batches is. I swear this guy's alive. Um, I'm certain of it. Only he could counter my tactics. So, precisely um and that is what that first story arc is and it works really well because not only do you get a lot of stuff with anakin you get just how independent not just the bad batch are but rex specifically uh, which helps lead further down the line for rebels for when he pops back up again there and you get to see the lessons he's learned specifically from being around anakin which is a lot of independence he's a lot of thought and even influencing like, you know, his way of doing things that he's learned from Anakin. It's not working. The bad back sharp and he sees their effectiveness and just adopts their tactics of like, just go, just go hell for leather. Like they, they don't count, know how to counter that because they're not used to it, but they're used to me. And it's, it's smart. Yeah. It's really smart. I am. Um, I said, uh, the reason why I wanted to watch this final season in the first place was to get ready for the bad batch. And 
I get what you're saying, that this was a way of introducing these characters, but alongside characters that we're already familiar with. But like the first episode, The Bad Batch, the second episode, uh, what was that one? Echo is in the title, The Looking yeah. for Echo. Yeah. And so two episodes in, and I was starting to get quite concerned because I wasn't really liking it. And and I think it's because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be because I'm, I know of this show, The Clone Wars, and it's Anakin, Ahsoka, and all these characters. Yeah. And that's not what we're really getting at the opening of the show. And as you've said, like, it really is broken up into like multiple episode arcs. So you get the first couple focusing on the Bad Batch. So I was really wanting the Bad Batch guys to leave. I'm still going to check out the show, don't get me wrong. But I was wanting yeah. to move on, think, okay, now I wanted to be more familiar with what I know of this show. And then we, we get a couple of episodes with the sisters. My third sisters, yeah. Have we seen them before, or are they new characters? Nope. The feelers are the new characters. <clears throat> Completely new for this season. Um, I will say a spoiler: they do show up already in the Bad Batch in these first oh, do they? I mean, that's few okay. episodes. That's okay. But I'll just say this, and then we're going to go all the way back to Dave Filoni, and then we'll catch yep. up. The final four episodes made the series for me. Like made the season. They really do. That is. It's, that is the, the sort of stuff we get from this show in this season. Yeah, and this is this is a, the thing that kind of irritates me about this final season because you have a backdoor pilot for the first third. You have catching up on where Ahsoka is for the second third before you can bring her into play for the final third. Yeah. The final third is what people expected for the whole season. Um, me too. And because it yeah. finishes there... Because it finishes there, it finishes really, really strong. But this is that was the level of story and interwoven detail people expected, because it's a lot of it's a lot of what you got for the previous few seasons. I won't say all the seasons, because like Rebels, it starts off quite kiddie, and as the Clone Wars progresses season by season, it starts to get more and more adult. And as a lot with a lot of things, the air the way they aired is not the guaranteed the, the the best way to watch it. There's actually a viewing order because it actually happens kind of year by year oh, in okay. the war. Right. So people have online constructed, this is actually the story arc that goes together, which is this ah, episode from a season one, this episode from season one and this episode from like season three. And you have this arc here, this arc here, this arc here. And when you watch it that way, you're like, ah, oh, because when those, the back parts of some of those stories happen in later seasons. Like, wait, uh, have I watched this? This all seems so familiar. And it's because yeah. it's wrapping up a story arc that hadn't aired in the correct sequence. Right. Uh, That's very, very confusing. <laughs> I am going to go back and watch all of them. Like, I am going to do it. Time-wise, I didn't have time to do that ahead of this record. No. So I thought, I'll just yeah. make sure I've got the 12 episodes covered. It does make sense that Ahsoka is a fan favorite character. Because this is pretty much, it's almost like, I know we're going to get a live action Ahsoka TV series, but for the most part, this did feel like an Ahsoka series outside of the Bad Batch that opened it. Yeah, um, which I'm sure every time Dave Filoni touches the character, he's like, oh, I might not, never get a chance again. So I'll give her some very specific moments. 
Yeah. But yeah, this is when you watch, especially these episode nine to 12, like, oh, this is why people love this character. This character is amazing. Oh, she really and is. <laughs> like, yeah, she really is a fantastic character. And that's why when we get those final four episodes and we've got, you know, the characters that we know and Ahsoka is back and you've got Darth Maul and it's, and it's giving you so much that you want. So there's a lot to <laughs> enjoy there. Dave Filoni, we've mentioned him many, many times. I mean, he is at this point, Mr. Star Wars, and I'm sure has been for a long time after George Lucas, of course, but whether it's in animation, live action with the Mandalorian and all the upcoming Star Wars adaptions, his name is all over it. Now, the job title that I have for him, it's the one that he had during the final season. I know he's since got a new title at Lucasfilm, but during the final season, his title is executive producer and supervising director. So yeah. he's clearly across most aspects of this show. And he was the one. So going back to July 19th, 2018, this was at San Diego Comic Con. That's where the announcement was made for the revival on the 10th anniversary. Yeah. It came out announced that they're going to do a final season and the episodes are going to be a continuation of the series after it was cancelled in 2013 and it was going to include the Siege of Mandalore. A lot of people obviously got very excited about that. The show was succeeded by Star Wars Rebels, which continued the story of Clone Wars era characters like Ahsoka and clone captain rex we've talked about rex a little bit already i didn't recognize this in the show but apparently he has a scar on his chin like harrison ford has all right i didn't quite i've never noticed myself, it. yeah but apparently that's a little detail in the in the animation there and of course see that was back doing indiana jones wasn't it he was cra- uh, practicing the whip accidentally, yeah accidentally caught his chin yeah uh, yeah um and with dave filoni he was headhunted by George Lucas personally. He was actually uh, taken from Avatar The Last Airbender. And it was an animated show. He was very involved in season one. And George Lucas, who had been thinking about doing an animated show, noticed like, wow, this is really well done. This is the kind of feeling I was hoping for, for a Star Wars show through the Clone Wars. So much so when George oh, and Dave Filoni got the phone call saying, we have a we have a meeting on the line for you from from someone from Lucasfilm, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they're from Lucasfilm." George Lucas is a big fan; he really wants to meet you. And he's like, "Oh, this is one of my friends. Like, get <laughs> out of here! Don't be don't be stupid." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, ha 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 ha!" And then it gets to the point of the phone call where he's about to hang up. He's like, "Wait, are you guys serious?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," because yeah. he's been playing off like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll be there." And he goes, "Wait, wait, 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 let me get a pen." And that's like, and that's like his pedigree. Like if you, anyone who's watched Avatar, the last Airbender can attest to the animated series, how good it is, especially when it comes to the law and character development is incredible. So he came all the way to star Wars with all of that. He, um, and Ahsoka was his creation. I've, I've heard talk. I don't know how true it is, especially under the leadership of Disney. Now that any story involving Ahsoka, has to be okayed 
by Dave Filoni. Oh, like, wow. No one else can touch the character. I'm like, uh, it'd be strange for such a large company like Disney to continue something like that. But yeah, it also but makes sense because still, that kind of protection yeah. is one of the reasons why they haven't made a misstep. Like when, again, they, he took her from a character people like hated. I can't really express how bad she annoyed people when she was introduced to like top tier Star Wars character and just character in general. Like there's been like that she's getting her own live action show and people are excited. That's a massive turnaround. Her appearance season two of Mandalorian was amazing. It really was. But what you're talking about with Dave Filoni there and just having that level of control over his creation, because ordinarily if you create a character for a company, that's their character and they can do with what they choose. There's obviously a good relationship here where he is still so integral to the success of Star Wars. You can see even a company as big as Disney saying, yep, you go, you can have that level of control. Yeah, and it's paying off. Um, I mean, I do know uh, Diane Kennedy is still ahead of Lucasfilm, still very much involved because a lot of people expected Dave Filoni to take over. He isn't. In fact, the announcement of his new job title, he had already had given been given that title that no one just had just announced it to the press and they're like right, going through okay. stuff like, oh, we really should update this. So he'd been, he's had this title for like the last eight months. Right, okay. When he actually got around sure to announcing it. It must be on Bad Batch. You're yeah, it must it be. Must be must be on there if it's been around for, for that long. But yeah, I mean, Dave Filoni, so important to the world of star wars whether it's animation live action yeah huge huge get for them let's talk characters then i mean we've obviously talked about ahsoka rex already we've got matt lanter is anakin skywalker yeah and he's great he's spent more time voicing anakin skywalker and acting out anakin than any other actor on the planet of who's ever lived because there's actually, including all of the final season, there's actually 66 hours of Clone Whoa. Wars content. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, is, that is a lot. You know, I was, I was reading about when he first auditioned for the part of Anakin. He was told that he was up for the part of Deke Starkiller. <laughs> the made-up character, I'm sure. Dave Filoni and producer Catherine Winder then told him to play a combination of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. And that's what we're getting in his portrayal of Anakin. Yeah. And even that, he's he's so good. He actually played in Mandalorian Season 1 on the episode where they heist and to, to get that toy leg prisoner out of this, the New Republic ship, prison ship. Oh, okay. He's the security guard that gets shot in the control room. That's, oh, Matt that's cool. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's nice that he, they, they, he's still getting work and he's also had um, other voice work with Marvel and Disney. But his Anakin's phenomenal. And again, he does a lot of character progression as well from the start of the animation. He, he gets to do all of the character progression at, that Hayden Christensen had to skip over. <laughs> and he, Although, because of that he is coming back apparently to the Obi-Wan TV series and maybe you'll get to do some of that there but you're right like Matt Lanter I mean how many hours did you say that he's playing this character yeah yeah so the 66 hours of the show 
That being said, Anakin is not in every episode. In fact, he's only in like what four episodes, maybe yeah, five episodes. He, of this this season, final season, he's not in it a lot. And then, yeah. I, I was honestly, I was surprised that we got Vader at the end. I yeah. thought it should have been or not, but I was legitimately surprised. No dialogue, which I thought was a good touch. You heard the the breathing beforehand. He's there on the planet. He looks up. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And as soon as it ended, I was like, I need to watch Revenge of the Sith again. Yeah, I need to continue that journey. It's honestly, I can't say it enough that that the quality, everything about those final four episodes is way beyond anything else we've got before in that season. I mean, they they recognize themselves that they've got something special there, more so than the episodes that came before. I mean, they even changed the colour of the font. Yeah, it's they changed the, the colour of the phone wall. Yeah, goes to red. And it's like yeah, just like Revenge different. of the Sith. Yeah. And but, um, they also add the Lucasfilm Limited production yes. in the classic green text from the original VHSs of the 80s. And I looked online... And not all episodes, but those final four get individual posters. Yeah. So they knew. They knew. And obviously yeah. they, they wanted to, to go out high. And, and they, they do. I just felt I was waiting so long to get to those final four episodes, but they really, they really did deliver. James Arnold Taylor, Obi-Wan yep. Kenobi. Phenomenal as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, he's got... He's got a lightness to his his character voice. It's very warm. Uh, again, you get to see how well Obi Wan as well knows Anakin. Like in mm, the in yeah. the first episode, Anakin snuck off to contact Padme because it's all secret. Obi Wan rocks up and Rex is like running interference, like oh he's just doing a, a gear check. And then once he steps out, they go off to do their mission, and Anakin just goes. How's Padme? He knows what's up. <laughs> of course, I mean, but he's, uh, he's Obi Wan, of course. Yeah, and um, that you know, these two have worked together a long time. I should also mention that uh, Dee Bradley Baker, Matt Lanter, and James Arnold Taylor have done the voices for these characters on all of the video game content as well oh, wow. since this series was running. So they've done like so so much work to the point, as I said, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to try and challenge. That you're McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi, but if anyone could, it'd be James Arnold Taylor. I've got to be honest, like, so again, I'd not had much time with him as the character. So that f- the first dialogue exchanges, like, it, it was it was hitting my ear funny because it's not quite you, McGregor. Sounds like him occasionally, but then when I was looking into it, the producers encouraged him, don't just do you, McGregor, to instead. He uses a mixture of McGregor and Alec Guinness. Yeah. That was his approach. And I guess that would be more so in the beginning. I mean, how many seasons later? He's, he's made it his own. But when I was hearing him, every now and then, you do hear those other actors, which kind of makes sense because he is playing, playing the same character. Yeah. Yeah. And again, with this, he gets less to do than Anakin does. So... It's the final season's not a good representation of the quality of his work. Um, you know, the, the again, Ashley Eckstein and Dee Bradley Baker, the ones and Sam Whitwell are the ones getting all the heavy lifting for this 
final season and man are they like killing oh Eckstein especially like it's almost (laughs) her show (laughs) yeah I was reading as well with her originally apparently Ahsoka was supposed to have an Icelandic accent but they'd already cast Eckstein and she stated she's not really good at accents so they're like yeah okay then she sounds like you I guess moving on (laughs) so every now and then she sounds a little Midwestern, Ahsoka. Yeah. But it works. Uh, which also makes sense because, yeah, uh, Anakin has more of an American accent than an English accent. So, you know, you have Obi-Wan, who's a very British, Anakin, who's like uh, more of an American twang. And it makes sense that, you know, she's even freer, like, like that rebellious idea of like old England versus the US. And especially when you get to like Han Solo and the more rebellious characters tend to have an American accent. So her starting that way, I mean, she she matures a lot. Mm. Obviously she goes from a child on the show to see where she's an adult for basically this final season. But yes, there's just such an incredible uh, voice talent and she's doing a lot of interaction with different characters. She's trying to be both like proper and formal and like intellectual but also soft and nurturing and friendly and like emotional and she has to cover all of it and she does an amazing job oh she is a highlight for sure so it's good that we get so much of her because she is absolutely fantastic a close second we've got sam witwer as darth maul who is absolutely fantastic now when i watched solo a star wars story as far as i was concerned darth maul was dead and that happened in front of menace i know yep. the point of reference he's okay he's got robot legs he survived obi-wan kenobi yeah. and i'm glad that he did because we get him in in this final season I'm, well he was he's in previous seasons but we we get him those final four especially and the, the choreography, the fight scenes are incredible. Like that final one with Maul and Ahsoka, and you're like, wow, that looks absolutely fantastic. And then I found out the reason why. They got motion capture back. Yeah, yep. from you know, Phantom Menace, and he's yep. doing the motion capture, which is yep. incredible. Yeah, the uh and the the choreography for the entire series was always good when it comes to lightsaber battles and their action, but they went above and beyond for this final season. Because with Ray Park's movements, there are little things you don't even realize. At the moment you see him, you're like, oh, that's Ray Park right there. There's no, there's no, you, you, you wouldn't even know to look for it unless until you saw him do it. Like he does this like little double hop when he's closing distance. Uh, and it's so specific. Like uh, I've, I've watched Phantom Menace enough times that when I see the episodes with him here, some of those motions and uh, the way he moves his body and there's an aggression and he, there's quite a like like a squat to his his motion motion as well. I mean, you literally can It's it'd be impossible to replicate it, even if you were to watch footage of him and then try and do the animation separately. Um, the stunt woman who's doing Ahsoka Tano is Lauren Mary Kim. 
She did the stunt coordination, motion capture stuff for Raya the Last Dragon. Also oh, on Disney. Wow. Um, she has done uh, a bunch of stuff for Marvel. Uh, she was um, the stunt double for um, Fennec Shand in Mandalorian. So she's... Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. She's Yeah. So, yeah, she's a go-to. And I actually watched Corridor Crew stunt men and women react. And they did want a big breakdown of this with her. Um, but she, I had already seen her do a bunch of stuff with her Marvel work doing, um, I think she does Gamora for, and she's done some Black Widow as well for Marvel. So, she, you wow. know, she's, she's a, a big name uh, female stunt performer. And that's why, why this is so good. When you have it two is, professionals yeah. like Ray Park and her um, motion capturing these things. And it adds a, a level that you can't like you can't replicate, which is why it, not only was the dialogue there before they even start to fight, then you have the way they move in the fight choreography and how brilliant it is because they, those two professionals like talk about like, here's the things. And then the music comes in because the mm-hmm. music in this series I mean, is like next yeah, level. It, it really is. And the fight scenes are next level. I mean, this is no longer pen and paper. And it hasn't been for a long time, I guess. Like, yeah. like animation used to be and what it is now, because the lengths that they've gone to, they choreographed this fight, and they've got the original Darth Maul actor back. It's, it's so impressive, because they could have not done it that way, and it would have still been okay. It wouldn't have been this level, but the fact that they've gone to this extra length and, and you can see it. I mean, at that point, I mean, you still recognize you're watching a CGI animated series, but the way that the characters are moving could be live action. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I should also mention that for the Siege of Mandalore, this is these final four episodes, people should really watch if they have any questions with the, Man, with the Mandalorian series, because this is a really good explanation of like, what, what state Mandalore was in during the Galactic Empire's reign. They mm-hmm. went from being a yeah. free country to being ruled by Darth Maul to help. They're liberated by clone troopers who immediately became occupants as yeah. the Galactic Empire. Honestly, and that's, this... you get, take that all the way through. Cause yep. as you said, like Bo-Katan, this is Katie Sackhoff. This is Mandalorian season two. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is where a lot of her her like problems and the chip on her shoulder and stuff come in that inform her later like her character's development and it's and this is all building up stuff. One the Darth Maul's main guy for Death Watch, Gar Saxon, played by Ray Stevenson. <laughs> like that's like yeah. they uh and he comes back, if I'm not mistaken, in Rebels. Right, okay. But I was going to say, like, this, these final four episodes of the season gave me so much more context what was happening in Mandalorian. Why fans were getting so excited about Katie Sackhoff now playing the live-action Bo-Katan. Yeah. Because I, I knew it was, you know, a transition. She was, you know, coming back and playing a live-action version of the character she played in animation for, like, however long. So I, I got yep. that excitement, but it wasn't until going back and seeing her in the show and then knowing that this character is going to continue and transition into 
into live action. And having somebody like Katie Sackhoff anyway is fantastic. But I, I remember she was talking or she was being interviewed and she was saying that way back when they were making this show, Dave Filoni said that what I want to do is have your character in live action. I want you to come back and play her. And she kind of just sort of like laughed it off. Oh, yeah, as if that had happened. And then, yeah, Mandalorian season two. So it's, it's just, it's really fun that it's all canon. It's all connected. And it doesn't matter if it's taking place in live action or animation. It affects, or everything that happens affects each other. It's really cool. Yeah, the only thing that was missing was the Darksaber, which if you watch the previous seasons where Darth Maul actually takes control, that story arc where he actually takes control of Mandalore, he has the Darksaber that whole time. It's very important that... Oh, like, right. So have we seen that, that in the show? There. In the series, yes, but not in the final season. That yes, was it's been, six, yeah. back in season five, yeah. So for me, Mandalorian, Darksaber, new thing. But we'd yeah. seen it previously. And I do need to go back and, and watch it all, but still, like, just the novelty. I mean, has it even happened before where we've had, like, an ongoing story and it crosses between animation and live action and it's one ongoing story? Not to my knowledge, because uh, the know like, how much detail they go into with this um, when she has, has... It's when she's captured Darth Maul? Yeah, she goes to the Jedi Council meeting because um, Rex comes to get up. But before she enters the room, the holograms of Yoda, Mace Windu, and they are and Kiadi Mundi are talking, and it's the literal dialogue from Revenge of the Sith. It's actually a scene where Anakin like talks to them, and like he has to get sent off to let this Palpatine know that they're they're if they've engaged. Grievous on Ulta Power, and that's the line of dialogue. And then she, they finish that line of dialogue, and she comes into the vi- the conference call, and then they all split off. But that's how connected it is. I don't think oh, anyone's wow. ever done it that connected. Yeah, and I think that's where you see Kanan, you see young Kanan, uh, Jarrus from Rebels as a hologram like disappear as she walks into the room, or just before she walks into the room, because that was the meeting that they're at, and then you know that continues on in its own stuff so yeah that's it, how many like yeah. needles they'll like i needleize or threading but in terms like, of if you know you know if you don't you just you're still gonna watch it enjoy like, i remember like i mean it's crazy to think the star wars the last jedi and you've got the scene where you're hearing all the other jedis and you hear in that movie ready prince jr it's kane yeah crazy that's the thing that is happening. So that's on the big screen. On the small screen, we don't get Samuel L. Jackson. He's not coming back as Mace Windu. Instead, we've got Terence Carlson not doing Sam Jackson, doing his own thing. And yep. that's and that's fine. We've got Catherine Tabor as Padme. Doesn't yep. really have a lot to do. Like she's I remember seeing her and she was referenced, but she's not in this final season a lot. We get a little bit of Yoda, not Frank Oz, Tom Kane. And he's been... He's also the narrator. Yes, and also the narrator. But he's been Yoda the whole time, hasn't he? Yeah. Throughout the show. Yeah. um, I should note that it was, I think it was Phil Lamar who 
did a lot of the other voice work right. for the series. Um, probably some of the side characters here, but throughout the most of the series, um, Phil Lamar did a lot of different voices. And most of these people, uh, Tom Kane did multiple, multiple voices. You've mentioned um, Matthew Wood does all of the battle droid voices, ah, but he's cool. done, he's done countless other Jedi and stuff as well. Um, as have James Arnold Taylor, Matt Lantner, D Bradley Baker. They've all had to do, you know, multiple, um, multiple characters throughout the series length. What I did see D Bradley Baker. I mean, we know he's playing Rex, Cody, other clones, Admiral Trench. So he's got a yep. lot of named characters to begin with. But when you're looking at what he's credited for, for additional voices, I think he comes out at the top for most yep. characters' voice. I mean, he's got a head start on all the, the clones, but it's a massive list for him. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to remember, he has to do Boba Fett as well. Because... Oh, for the for the young Boba Fett for the animated series, they actually did get um, the actor who from Attack of the Clones. Uh, James, is it James Logan? No, uh, okay, Sa- not... uh, something Daniel Logan right, is the okay. act, young actor who played like young clone Boba Fett. That's cool. Um, they actually got him back, which is great. Like as you should. You know, same with Jar Jar Binks. And in the episodes he showed up in, it was always Armored Best coming back to reprise the character. Um, so they. They use the people they can when they can, um, but you know, I we've completely stepped past the Martez sisters. But that you know that story uh, arc yeah. is not important because nope. it is really just a catch up. <laughs> this is where Ahsoka was when Bo-Katan comes to her and is like, "I need someone to help me take out Darth Maul." I mean, it it was interesting. She was concealing the fact that she was once a Jedi. She's using her abilities around them, but disguising the fact. And yeah, yeah, I think that's it. The Martinez. Oh no, how did you say their names? The Martinez? Martez. 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 Yeah. I was close. The sisters. So yeah, they're characters. They're in it. But we're just yeah. waiting until their episodes are over so we can get to those final, final four. The animation style. Very different to most animated series that are coming out around the time it's got kind of a a blocky i mean obviously it's 3d but it's got kind of a blocky style which is pretty unique to this show and when i was looking into it apparently feloni and lucas have stated that the look of the characters was inspired by thunderbirds (laughs) jerry anderson's thunderbirds from 65 that was yeah. the inspiration. And when you think Thunderbirds, then think this show, you can totally see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can. And um, I think it's also a progression because they started with very short uh, traditional animation stuff for the Clone Wars before they went into the movie and then this the CGI series that Dave Floney was in charge of. And that was done by the, um, the creator behind Samurai Jack. Which yeah. is one of the reasons why the angular, like they did, ha- they did refine it for it being three D because ah, character a good designs point. like that don't yeah. work. And they those yeah. episodes have now been made available on Disney Plus. I think they did that on May the fourth, and they added yeah. the live action Ewok movies, and a lot of missing Star Wars content got added. Yeah, including those two D animations. So that is a good point, actually. 
it is pretty much a 3D rendering of that animation style, isn't it? Yeah. Still yeah, as best they could. <laughs> it does. It really does. And in a good way. Even this, in a good way. This final season is a progression of the animation quality they had in the fifth and sixth season. Like you can see they've gone back over and refined it even further, which is important because when you look at Rebels even, that had more angular, um, thinner, um, pointier character models than this one does, um, which is just interesting. You mentioned the music before. There is a composer on the show. It's the same composer from Star Wars Rebels, Kevin Kiner. So he's the yeah. guy. He's doing the music. He's the composer. But you've also got to credit John Williams because they use it quite a bit. We get those familiar Star Wars motifs which work so well and have the ability to elevate almost, if not all, scenes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The, he's he has come up with something specific for the emotional weighted moments for Ahsoka, especially the two parts that come to mind are when she is having a heart-to-heart with Rex after she's deactivated his chip and he's breaking down. He's like, we're going to have to shoot the other clones it's the only way to get out and he can see you can hear he's like upset and he takes she takes off his helmet and he's got tears the music there is phenomenal uh and it's also like i'm pretty sure that was uh not john williams as the uh, composer you just mentioned and also that beautiful music that comes at the very end of the episode when you can see they're on the ground they've buried all the dead clones it's and it's no dialogue. It's just you show her and her go of her lightsaber and then transition straight to Vader rocking up. And the music there is absolutely phenomenal. So stunning. It captures mm, the, yeah. the, 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 the timbre of the situation perfectly. It's so, it's, and that's, that's not John Williams. That's, yeah, no, that's you're the right, show's no, composer. Yeah, and he's well. done a really great job. I mean, it feels Star Wars. It doesn't. It doesn't stand out against the other ones. Like, oh, that sounds like a completely different guy. But yeah, you're right. Really high quality. Credit where credit's due. I mean, the fanfare really, and then they incorporate it a lot in the show. But what you're talking about there is original music. And seeing the spikes and the stormtrooper helmets in that well, one of the final scenes, and then it's like, oh, it's just like the Mandalorian. And then I'm like, no, hang on a minute. Mandalorian came out first, didn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. So, okay, Mandalorian did it first. I'm assuming, unless we've seen that in previous seasons, Mandalorian yeah, did it, and then they did it here. But it works so well because it makes you think fondly of the other Star Wars show, and it was a great, yeah. it was a great scene. And Ahsoka leaves behind, she leaves behind a lightsaber or lightsabers, yeah, and Darth Vader, breathing heavily, walks up. And it's like the final shot of the whole show. And he yeah. looks up. Oh, he picks up the helmet and then he looks up. No, he, uh, you see his reflection as he walks away in the helmet. Oh, when he looks up, he's that bird thing from Rebels that always shows up when right. Ahsoka's around. Oh, well, that was embarrassing because I literally just finished watching that episode <laughs> maybe three and a half hours ago. <laughs> I got yeah. that completely wrong. But yes, there's a lightsaber, there's a helmet, there's something in the sky. And mm. yeah, Darth Vader, one of the last 
characters that we that we see. And again, it ended, and I just thought, you know, I need to go and watch Revenge of the Sith, which I have only ever seen once, and that was yeah. at the cinema opening weekend. I've not seen it, since, <laughs> but I um, I'm going to rectify that because people do say it is the best out of the prequels. Yeah, I do think the prequels are enhanced by the the existence of this series because when you watch it all together, it's a bit like when you watch Rogue One and then go immediately into A New Hope. One elevates the other and they're both better off for it because it fills in a bunch of detail you didn't realize you were missing. Yep. Um, mm. And this these four episodes really do that massively. Revenge. Oh, they really, they really do. I mean, you know, you can only improve on what we got with Attack of the Clones heading yeah. to Revenge of the Sith. You know, I rewatched Rogue One to celebrate Star Wars Day. And yeah, still good, still good. Although this viewing, I found the the visual of Princess Leia a lot more jarring than I did when I last watched it. But it's okay. It's okay. And we get that great, great Darth Vader scene, which is uh, yeah, which is incredible. But this show, The Clone Wars, or this season, should I say, the final season, season seven, if you're going to rate it out of five, and I do recognize we're both coming from two very different places. I'm reviewing a season that I've just watched, whereas you're reviewing a final season to what sounds like a show that you really like. Yeah, if I had to put it into context with the rest of the series, um, it would it would suffer until you get to those final four episodes. Because if you're going to base it on just these 12, you'd probably end up on about a three and a half or a four out of five because the the, the final four episodes are a five out of five, no doubt. But the, 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 the dragging pace of what, of the run up they get um, the first story arc of four episodes, wrapping up stuff from a previous season and the necessary introduction stuff of Ahsoka in the middle of four episodes that does drag it down. There's nothing wrong with those episodes, if you're coming into just this season, then you are looking at about three three point five out of five for those. But those final four episodes are so good. In fact, you could probably, in all honesty, ignore the first eight episodes and go straight nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and you'd have a five out of five show. But yeah, yeah, my personal enjoyment might be higher, but it, I'd say overall you're looking at about three and a half, four for this season. Uh, and it's only because of the high, high quality of the final story arc and where it leaves you that drags the quality of the entire season up that high. Yeah, I, I'm going to come in at three. I am going to come in yeah. at three. I, and it's that argument of how good those final four are. Now, I know people that are a fan of Star Wars and just like me have not watched the whole of the Clone Wars, if not any, but they're excited about more Mandalorian the Ahsoka spin-off and, you know, all the other Star Wars projects that are coming out, Bad Batch yeah. and beyond. So I would recommend to them that, like you're just saying there, that if you want to get a feel or more of a feel for Ahsoka and just Mandalore, more Darth Maul, just check out the final four episodes. 
And they literally they come in like part one, part two, part three, part four. You can watch it as those four episodes. So if you're someone that loves Star Wars, whatever reason, you've not seen the Clone Wars, but you're excited to see where these characters are going to go in future, don't need to view the whole of the final season. You could just watch those final four, and I think you'd have a much better time with it. Because I agree with you, if I was just reviewing those episodes, they would be a lot higher than three out of five. Uh, but because I would still recommend the show on the back of that, I'm going to come in at yeah, three out of five. Yeah. But those final Makes four sense. episodes really are solid. And, and and if you've not got time for that, just watch the fight between Ahsoka and Darth Maul. Like this, there's so much to enjoy. In those yeah, that's episode 10. Uh, if for those who want to just catch that, <laughs> just watch sure it's been, yeah, no, no, um, honestly, but yeah, if, it's at a minimum, do nine through 12. Absolutely, I don't think yeah. we've ever done that. Like, reviewed <laughs> something and said, but you know what? If you don't want to watch it all, it's not all brilliant, but it's good, yeah, and it gets great on the final four. Just watch that, just watch the final yeah. four episodes, save yourself yeah. some time. Yeah. The only thing I can think where I've done a similar recommendation for people is um, the Stargate universe season one. I was like, watch the first, I think two episodes and then skip to like, I think it's episode 16 or 17 <laughs> because the, because it, nothing happens like for that event of time. It's just like a, like a thing of the week that there's a problem of the week they solve. And then all of the story stuff happens in the back half of the season. That's how much you can re- re- resist. I mean, if you've, if like me, you've watched all of it, you just keep banging through and there's no problem. But yeah, if I was just going to recommend like, oh, you're a bit umming and ahhing, just watch these final four, especially if you're going to go like a Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, these final four episodes, and then Revenge of the Sith. Like, I think you can't go wrong. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I agree completely. Well, that's it for our episode all about Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the final season. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.